Welcome to the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Cody and Leo. Welcome, everybody, to the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. I am Leo, and I'm joined by Cody. And today, we have none other than the MK Bandit. I am the federal director of athletic competition, overseeing all of sports entertainment activities, as appointed by your president, Donald Trump. Wow. Thank you for uh, for correcting us because <laughs> you I wasn't going to get all me, that. No, you got to give me my credit, man. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> so I, I guess we know who you're who you're rooting for, right? Hey, I got to keep the bread train rolling. You know what I mean? <laughs> he appointed he appointed me the federal director. He's directing me, and so you know, like I said, I got I got to keep my appointment. You know. So, MK, you, you play a role that, or, or you, I want to say play a role, but... Sure, no, that's uh, fine. Your, your job is, is, I think, a very important one in the, in the world of wrestling. One that is kind of a lost start, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a dying art, I would say. Um, what got you into that? And, and well, was it, were you like a... Someone who got into it late, or is this what you always wanted to do? No, I mean, I really got into it late. I, I, in, in terms of the entertainment business, not late, um, but in terms of the pro wrestling business, late. Uh, I was a, not a lot of people uh, know this, but I was a child performer and a child actor. Um, and so I was, I was a song and dance kid uh, in, a, in a group called the Carousel Kids. And you know, you know how when you go to like, uh, amusement parks and there's like the little pavilion and the kids are performing and they bring in different acts. We were one of those. And so, so I was no stranger to performing. Uh, so as, as opportunity would have it, I ended up on the ESPN 700 broadcast crew uh, broadcasting in the late nineties. And just right around the time the original ECW went out of business. And there's a whole story about how much I love ECW, but um and so I just started working on that craft. Um, you know, you, then, then right around 2007, I showed up to a wrestling show at Women's Extreme Wrestling in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, showed up super early because I thought there'd be a big line and got on the ring crew there. You know, next thing you know, because I have the experience in broadcasting, because I had the experience of being a, a child actor and a lifelong wrestling fan, I started doing commentary and ring announcing. And, you know, really was enjoying that and had no aspirations to do much more than that. And every once in a while, the heel would shake around the ring announcer, push me out of the way. And I, I played the role. Um, and the next thing you know, I'm at a show in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the guy who was supposed to be the manager uh, playing the bad guy attorney didn't show up, couldn't make it. I was the only other guy there in a suit. And so they just said, OK, here's what you're going to do tonight. And you know the rest is history. Thanks. Nice. So, are you originally from the East Coast? Then, no, I'm not. I'm actually born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. But, but uh, you know, my my job took me all over the country. I'm I'm a structural engineer by education, by trade, 
And we were doing a show in Philadelphia. We were doing a show. We were doing a project, the Bulk Mail Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I've always been a wrestling fan. And one of my buddies in the 90s said, hey, do you like wrestling and pro wrestling? I said, I love pro wrestling. He said, well, you've never seen anything like this. And by that time, I had kind of become disillusioned with wrestling because it was that time um, in history when it was kind of in its downtime, you know, when it needed a transition. And when I saw Paul Heyman's product in Extreme Championship Wrestling in the ECW arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I was hooked. And what I started doing, yeah, what I started doing is, is I would start, I'd have to go from Salt Lake to Philly to do site visits to oversee the construction. So I would basically set my uh, site visits back to Philly completely around the ECW schedule. So I could see, <laughs> so I could, so I could see them, you know, and, and that's really what, 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 uh, you know, what really got me completely retuned in and, you know, fell in love with pro wrestling. And that was in the mid to late nineties. And, and, you know, here I am now, and it's been it's been a wonderful ride because I've actually got to live the dream of working in the ECW arena. That's awesome. So <clears throat> that that's also got to be quite a big transition, right? From refereeing and, and commentating and stuff like that mm-hmm. to to being an active part of the show to where it's it's your job to as a manager or heel manager to draw oh. that heat for the performer. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it. It luckily I had been watching wrestling my whole life, and I admired guys like you know Bobby Heenan. I admired you know you know guys like Jim Cornette and Playboy Gary Hart. And so I, I although I didn't know everything, I kind of knew my I knew what my job was. You know what I'm saying? I knew I knew I knew my job as a heel was to put the baby face over. My job was to to stay out of the way, make people forget about me until the time is right. And so I, I really worked hard on my timing, but, but I had the basics. I had the basics. And then once I started training as a professional wrestler and became a trained professional wrestler, it, it kind of ties all together. Um, and, but, but the transition was very difficult. It was very, very difficult. And, and I was kind of thrown into it because um, one of the first guys that I managed was Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because yeah. that was for, remind me of the Destiny. Destiny, Re- mm-hmm. Destiny yeah, Wrestling. I seen that. And, yeah. And so it was kind of one of those things where they only had one top heel, one guy that would bring in uh, Bubba, you know, in the kayfabe world and to face Don Batali, who was the top baby at the time. And you want to talk about a, a baptism by fire is get in the ring with a future Hall of Famer who, who really was the la- you know, one of the last of the old school, you know, heels, you, you know, this is the type of thing, you know, very physical, very, uh, uh, very old school. That's the best way to put it. But he was the greatest teacher I think I've ever had in any sport, in anything. And to this day, I owe Bubba. Bubba basically... Bubba Ray Dudley, other than the gentleman that gave me the chance um, of the, the, uh, Destiny Wrestling, the guys that really gave me the, 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 the chance to spread my wings is Bubba Ray and uh, Tommy Dreamer. 
So around what time was this? Was this was this during his like bully ray phase or this was yeah, he had just yeah, TNA. yeah, he was he was in the TNA. They had just finished the aces and eights. Um it was 2015. And what had happened, it's interesting. Um, an interesting story is there was the professional wrestling is kind of in, in a transition period right now. And, and, it, and it has been for the past five or six years in that, um, you know, com- athletic commissions really don't know what to do with us because yeah. we're not quote unquote a sport, but we're not like Shakespearean actors. And so in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Destiny Wrestling had been doing their thing on a don't ask, don't tell policy with the commission for years until they got a new head commissioner. He came in and said, no, you guys have got to play by the rules now. And so they had to retool. They brought me in as an owner. And um, quite frankly, I was the only one that was able to put up a hundred thousand dollar performance bond and, 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 uh, I got and so we got a promoter's license. We did everything the right way, um, and so that's kind of how it all started. And so back then, you know, we had to we had to we had to really make a splash. Otherwise, we weren't going to survive because in, in a place where you're paying commissioners, EMTs, security, doctors, and things of that nature, you've really got to draw a lot to make things break even. And it was shaky there for a while. So we knew we had to bring in someone big and we knew how to bring someone in big that would probably start as a lost leader, but then lead to bigger things. And it was so wonderful because we bring Bubba Ray in, we convince him to come to Albuquerque. And then literally after we announce that he's going to be coming to Albuquerque, he's in the Royal Rumble. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so it was like, oh my gosh, you know, so we had a huge show. And so now here comes, you know, well, who's, who's, what are we doing with him? Okay, Matt, you're going to go out there and do your thing with Bubba. And at the time I was just playing uh, what we call the director of competition. And so I was just a guy that was the, you know, a, a heel with different bad guys. And, and, you know, I, I was just kind of, and I was working in Lubbock primarily Lubbock, uh, Dallas and uh, Albuquerque primarily. I hadn't really had an opportunity to work with any, quote unquote, big time guys. So, you know, here I go with Bubba picking, you know, I'd talk to him, you know, on the phone, something like that, you pick him up from the airport and he's physically intimidating, mentally intimidating. Now you've got to go win, win a championship with the guy. And then, and a championship that he says, you know, it was just the destiny wrestling championship, but then he tells us, no, I'm going to proclaim this a world championship. So if that, if that doesn't pressure you to do the right thing, you know what I mean? It's like he said, baptism by fire. Nice. How many shows did you guys do with him? Well, it was great because, you know, he, we were going to bring him in for one show and he had the idea. Um, and this is where, this is the whole thing. And people out there listening about pro wrestling should really pay attention. Not because I'm so smart, but because the whole industry is about the little details setting up bigger things. See, bringing Bubba Ray in for one show against your champion. Pretty much everybody's going to figure there's going to be some sort of screwy finish. There's going to be some sort of double DQ. There's going to something's going to happen because no way are they giving the national guy there his title because he's not going to come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Bubba had the idea. Everybody in the independence does the same exact thing. You get the big time guy to come in. You hot shot your show. You give him your title. 
And I mean, you, I mean, you give them an opportunity for your title. Then, you know, like I said, screw job, finish something crazy happens. And then he goes away and then you bring in the next big time guy. Well, his theory was let's shake up the world. Give me the belt. Then, then I come back for a second show. Then I come back for a third show. I'm putting your heavyweight champion over. So he's going to have Don Vitale pin him in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, over a process of, of three shows in six months. And well, so it was brilliant because it got us into Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, see, that, and, yeah. and that's, that's awesome because it's, uh, you know, the, now that you mentioned that, I think it's something similar to maybe what we've done or you guys have done with uh, Sam Adonis and, and DCW. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so yeah, it's yeah. it, it's kind of you're not going after the name grab. You're going. You're you're building a story, which is That's, what your dedicated people want to see too. Well, yeah. I mean, and Bubba, uh, he I quote him every day, so I'm probably going to quote him a lot. But he always said that you know I can teach anybody the moves. I can teach anybody to do a headlock takeover. But how do you make your headlock takeover? and more important than another headlock takeover? Or how do you make that fit within a story that's compelling to the audience? And that's the essence of pro wrestling, is storytelling. And, and, and that's, that's, again, like I said, you can get a guy with a ton of money to put together and bring in every superstar in the world. And yeah, you're going to sell a show, but you'll sell maybe one or two shows because what's, once you've seen that guy What's going to bring you back? If you've seen a magician doing the same tricks each time, what's going to bring you back? What's going to bring you back is the stories, the, the, the reasons for his being here, the fact that you either like or hate the guy. And that's the essence of pro wrestling. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And it's, you know, we, we've had some discussions like early on with like uh, AEW and, and we, we love the the moves they do the wrestling's great but there for maybe a month or two ago creatively they were just kind of stagnant and it was kind of like well you know the honeymoon's over now they gotta they gotta do things to keep us going they gotta they gotta um do some good storylines to keep us engaged and and they can do it but it just felt like you know what i mean like to your point oh yeah well listen you know think about it this way you know you know it's kind of given me a dual view of things working on a, a football broadcast, a legitimate sport, if you will, and then working in pro wrestling because there are so many similarities in that every broadcast and every production meeting you get together. And what is the story we're going to be telling today? Why are people going to tune in to this show, this football game, as opposed to another football game? So even in legitimate sports, if you watch it and you break it down, they have a story to tell as well. It's the underdog team versus the big Goliath, or it's the guy's dad died and he's, you know, scoring touchdowns for his dad. Or it's the, and, and if you notice, you, you're kind of like, why are they telling this? And then halfway through the thing, you kind of realize if this guy does good, then it's good for the broadcast. It compels someone to watch it other than just the sport. So if you're watching a football game and at the beginning of the football game, they tell you this guy's, you know, you know, dad just died. And he says the first touchdown he's going to score every touchdown he scores, he's going to dedicate to his dad, you know, who was a world war II veteran and all stuff. 
it doesn't matter what the game is like. Most people with that type of story are going to tune in and stay tuned in regardless of the teams playing because you, you want to see that guy score. You want to see that happen because it tugs at your emotions. You know what I mean? Yep. Or no. consequently, back in the day, a guy like Albert Bell, who is going to punch someone as he's running to second base in baseball. I, I watched Albert Bell, not because I was a Cleveland Indians fan, but the guy was going was gonna to do something crazy. And I wanted to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. No, did you – so you talk about this. How did MK Bandit come about? Because how you – how you um, have talked about and how we've seen you're, you're very successful outside of, of wrestling, right? You work in management and, and stuff like that. Is it, and, and where I work in management, it's easier, I think, to, if you're going to portray someone to be that heel and maybe get away with some of the stuff that you can't in your real job, was that some of the inspiration for your MK or where did you draw that from? Yeah, I, I think what, what really happened is, we, we, when I would be out on the road, um, on the broadcast crew, you know, you would go out on a Saturday night after the game, you'd have a few drinks on Sunday morning, unless you had a really early match, you would be able to, you'd be able to wake, sleep in and turn on the TV. And at the time USA network was always doing, you know, 80,000 episodes of, of special victims unit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was compelled by the criminal defense attorneys that would represent the rapists and try and get these out of jail. And when they, you know, you know, someone would say, how can you do this? They would just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like, Hey, that's my job. You know, that's, that's what I do. And I was just compelled by that, that I I don't even know if you call it professionalism, extreme professionalism or dedication that these people would be willing to just, they would be willing to just, you know, they didn't care what someone thought of them. They didn't care what, what the prosecutor said or anybody said or what the victim said. All they cared about, they had a singular goal. That was to get their client off of whatever murder, rape, charge, okay? So, so that was where I kind of drew, drew upon that was, was that's kind of what a manager is. If you think of a sports agent or a manager, if, if I had, if, if, if think about like anytime you hear of of a of a something going on in in sports and a guy's not showing up to training camp because his and and then his agent is speaking for him and he's just you know my guy's not coming out for until he gets paid fifty billion dollars or or something like that these these guys are just soulless and and singular gold that's where the inspiration for MK drew from was those type of people and so I always kind of thought like. Uh, you have to have in pro wrestling, you have to have a backstory. You have to have reasons and motivations for why you're doing things. Because really, when you think about life, people don't just run out and punch people in the face for no reason. I mean, if you're crazy, that's fine, but that can only go so far. Do you know what I mean? But if, if you're calculating and evil, but don't realize you're evil, that's even more dangerous than the crazy guy. And that's where I drew my inspiration. And the thing that I, I, I heard in a seminar um, that Joel Gertner had said one time is heels don't realize they're heels. Heels think they're the good guys and people are just too stupid or just don't recognize it. And so when I heard that, it kind of brought everything together like, yeah, 
I'm trying to show you the way it should be. And at the end of the day, I'm here to educate you. So you're condescending you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's was, and that was the essence. And, and as time went on, I literally learned when, when I would be hired, my first two questions are, what's the story? What story are we trying to tell? And what's my motivation for representing XYZ wrestler? So have you ever done, uh, you, you talked about being a, a trained performer. Did you ever mm -hmm. perform strictly as a wrestler or have you always since no, that transition yeah. been, been a manager? No, I've had several matches. In fact, generally, um, I've had, I have, I've had a lot of matches, uh, you know, you know, as the storylines go and I'm kind of breaking kayfabe, but I kind of think in this world, people a little smartened up to the way it is, is, you know, the, the the my goal is to get you to hate me so much that when I get my butt kicked, there's the payoff. Like wow, so you get two payoffs in a match. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so yeah. generally, what what the the old formula that used to be was was I'm I keep screwing over uh, uh, I screw over a good guy I screw over a good guy I turn a good guy to a bad guy keep screwing over keep screwing scale over until eventually I get forced into a match that I don't want to be in. And now I've got to wrestle. My mouth wrote checks that I couldn't write. And so then I would go out there and wrestle. And I've, I, I've yet to win a match, but that's, that's the way it should be. You know that's I mean? the point, yeah. yeah. You, the point. You, haven't, you haven't been in a bunny suit yet like Heenan has. Have you? Right, no, nothing like that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, well, the thing about it is I was, I am, I'm legitimately a former professional boxer. So I do have some legitimacy. So if someone were to Google, you know, Matt Rowe's boxing or something, I'm sure something would come up about that. And so, and so it, it would, I, instead of being a Heenan chicken shit or a Cornette chicken shit, I want to be that over the hill guy that thinks he's still got it. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and then when I get cracked in the mouth, it's like, Ooh, uh Oh, now I better run. And that's kind of how I always play it when I'm in the ring. Nice. Um, yeah. Who? So obviously, we're we're um, we know you from DCW. My yeah. earliest earliest memory of you was Cody and I went to uh, UCW Zero Fifteen mm -hmm. Anniversary Show. Yeah. And I was going to get some mm -hmm. beers, and I seen Marty the Moth, and you were his manager at that time. Uh -huh. And I'm kind of just standing there, right? Just just like Mark, just. Oh, that's Marty yeah, yeah. the Moth. I know him from Lucha Underground. And you yeah. see me, and you're like, hey, man, you want a picture? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, all right, five bucks. <laughs> and so I give <laughs> you my five bucks, and you take the picture. And so that's, uh, you know, that's my first introduction to you. But what and other? The whole ahead. time, I'm still sitting at the seats <laughs> waiting for my cold beer to get back. <laughs> so what that's other awesome. stars have you... Um, have you managed because you know obviously you you're doing some work sure. with sam adonis mm -hmm. uh, yeah i'm i've worked with well i'll just tell you currently i'll give you the heel factory currently the heel factory is me sam adonis katarina and sin Bodhi. so mm -hmm. katarina you know her from impact sam of course um you know sin is sin Bodhi. um and then um and then you know i've i've managed bubba ray uh, I, what, what happened with when I was in house of hardcore, which was really cool. And again, 
you've got to break the conventions of what standard pro wrestling is. Tommy Dreamer had worked with me in Destiny, and he had given me a call. He wanted me to work with him in House of Hardcore. And so he brought me in, and I just thought, okay, who am I managing, right? Well, he said, I've got a new role for you. I said, okay, what am I going to do? And he goes, well, I could bring you in to heat up a show with some guy, but we don't have a consistent roster. We're not always in the same city, but everybody here in the Northeast hates the athletic commission. So you're going to be the athletic commissioner that always comes in and screws over someone. You know what I mean? Unintentionally, meaning I don't represent a heel, but my decisions just somehow help the heel out. And then, but ba- so basically I'm playing the, the Fonzie character, Alfon- Bill Alfonso, you know what I mean? No yeah. choke slams or things of that nature. And that's where we both collectively came up with the name of the Federal Director of Athletic Competition overseeing all sports entertainment activities. And so at that point in time, the heels were Shane Douglas, Nick Aldis, um, Joey Mercury, and that's how I met Sam Adonis was there. So I've worked, you know, and so we had an extended run where every time, every time um, Tommy Dreamer would come out, he would somehow get screwed over by my decisions. Do you know what I mean? And eventually in our blow off, um, you know, Assman um, crushed me in New Orleans right before, right, right before WrestleMania. Uh, so I've worked with them. I've, I've uh, uh, managed, um, you know, Sarah Logan when she was cra- crazy. Mary Dobson. Um, I managed her in Destiny. Um, gosh, you know, there's been so many. Uh, I, I've been in uh, Sheik, uh, the Almighty Sheik in uh, PCW Ultra. Um, we were in extended feud with MVP. Uh, I've worked with MVP. Uh, Blue Meanie, uh, you, you know, you know, as uh, Sandman used to come in and save Tommy Dreamer. I'd be doing something heinous and that his music would play and then he'd come in and 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 break a stick over my head, and you know what I mean. So I've, I've I've I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I'm just saying I've been very fortunate to have a lot of good people want to hire me and work with the best. Right. So as being a fan of of the old ECW and being able to work with mm-hmm. some of these people, did you ever get or do you ever have to take a step back and still get that? You know, I'd imagine you're still a fan of the sport. Do you ever get like uh, not necessarily starstruck, but like, man, yes. I'm doing this. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can tell you when I got really, really kind of like, holy shit, this really hap- is happening, is I was I uh, uh, two years ago. Do you remember when, when uh, Sammy Callahan whopped Eddie Edwards in the eye with the bat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they had, they, <laughs> then they, they turned that into a big angle. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that? Yep. Yes. So their blow-off match was in Boston. At the House of Hardcore show, right? And I looked at the... Uh, oh, and at the time, I was with the Spirit Squad. And so I looked at the, the the run sheet, and my name wasn't there. And I went, oh, shit, I guess I'm not on tonight. Because the next night, we were going to be in Freehold, New Jersey. And then the next night, we were going to be in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just kind of sat there, and Tommy came over, and he's like... You know, he's like, you know, are you ready for tonight? I'm like, yeah, what do you have me doing, sir? He's like... I'm, and he told me, I'm, you're going to go out and you're going you're gonna to say that you're here to control this match between these two guys and you don't want any weapons, any heinousness or anything like that. And I just kind of sat there going, holy shit, I'm going to be involved in the hottest feud in professional wrestling right now, tonight. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and that's... and it literally it freaked me out, and it, it kind of you know, and and it was kind of funny because I'm going over everything I'm going to do, and MVP walked up to me, and he goes, "Relax, this is your office. Just do what you do at your office. You're an engineer, right? Yes, yes, sir. Just do it." And he called me down, and and then I did my little thing, and and, and uh, uh, the Spirit Squad, Mondo and Kenny were just so great with me because I used to go over my promos with them. Because Dreamer didn't write him for me. He would just say, kind of talk about this. And I went over with him, and then they, they, and they, they told me, oh, you know, switch this up. And when you do your hand gestures, do this. And so I'm literally getting ready to go out in front of this humongous crowd in Boston in the main event of a House of Hardcore show with Sammy Callahan, you know what I mean, and Eddie Edwards. And all of a sudden, it just kind of hits me like, wow, I'm here. I'm, I'm doing this. It, 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 I'm telling you, it, it's an experience you can't describe. And it's one of these things that you only catch a few times in your career, but you're fighting for it. And that's, I think, why a lot of people do this is to get that high, if you will, or to get to that point to where you're like, I am important. I'm really doing something here. And this is fun. Yeah. That, that's awesome you know as a because i'm a i'm a big fan been a fan since i was a kid and you know so is cody yeah. otherwise we wouldn't be doing this but yeah hearing these stories is just great because yeah well, especially when you're name dropping like i'm a huge i'll admit it right now i'm a yeah. huge mark for nick aldis like oh yeah he's great i would i would mark out for that guy so bad if i met him in person i don't know why Dude, he, but he's amazing he's such a gentleman he's such a great guy and here's the thing that's so great about these guys is they have no business, no business being nice to me. They have no business even acknowledging who I am. They don't have to do any of that because, but they were so kind to me and they went out of their way to make me feel comfortable and went out of their way to make sure that I would do good. I mean, I mean, dude, the very first big thing I did um, involved, involved him Joey Mercury, um, Shane Douglas, and Tommy Dreamer. And we literally set off a shoot riot in the ECW arena. And you can watch it on the House of Hardcore, I think it's 37, where literally people were throwing the water bottles, beer bottles, everything, picked up the guardrails and threw it, all because of the heat we generated. And, and, and he is just so good at what he does. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and and I think a guy and and you mentioned him, so I just want to elaborate on him a little bit. And I, sure. I've, yeah. I've put it out there, the original pipe bomb, the original one that you that I can think of is Shane Douglas when he won the oh, yeah. when he won the title and he threw it and claimed yeah, himself the, the ECW title. champion. Dude, was that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, and people you know, forget about that. Little, I remember being Dude. a little kid when that happened. Well, here's the fun thing about it. if y'all have I'm not I'm not here to promote the WWE network. I'm merely stating if you have the WWE network and you were there, what was so fun to do is what I love to do is and I I I, I when I used to perform, I would watch pay-per-views like I would watch that one and I would find myself in the crowd. And I would go, "Okay, then when I went to perform there, I would literally have my iPad there with it paused and I'm like, I was standing right here when this happened." And I'm right there in the ECW arena. And it's it's that dude. And Shane Douglas, man, he is a great guy. I mean, he is he he is so good. And everything he's ever 
ever said to me worked. The guy would tell you he's magic. He would tell you to switch one word in a promo that I was doing. And it was like, it made all the difference in the world. The guys like, like there's, there's geniuses. And then there's people that, that operate above that level. And he's one of those guys. Yeah. I, I think, I definitely think that's a guy who, who never got his, his due respect, but, um, that promo no, not, it not stands the test of time yeah, not by mainstream yeah oh yeah but like i said that's the thing that i tell people all the time i'm like to this day to this day when i'm at an indie arena almost every time something crazy happens in a hardcore match there's someone in the crowd chanting ecw mm. it's insane <laughs> we were we were in amarillo texas we were in amarillo texas and, and vig big vig was fighting marty the moth and I was, I wasn't involved in any, I wasn't involved in anything. I, I was just, I was just there watching. Okay. Cause there was a tournament in Lubbock the next night. So I'm watching it. So I'm back at the bar and they did some crazy something out, out and here I'm with this little bar in Amarillo, Texas. And you hear it come from one end, ECW, ECW. Next thing you know, the whole bar is chanting. And I'm sitting here thinking that company went out of business 20 years ago and everybody's still chance that as an homage now i can tell you this much i've never heard wcw when vince russo <laughs> comes walk when vince russo walks out into the crowd have you ever heard one person say wcw or chant something like that no but no. what do you think the first thing that you hear when tommy dreamer walks out into a crowd baba yep. ray dudley shane douglas two cold scorpio what do you think happens yep Anyone? Yeah, I mean, Paul Heyman still gets it on Monday Night Raw every week, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yes, you know. and that company was special. And one of the things that I love doing is watching the network and mining and mining the network, mining those matches in particular for ideas to use at shows now because there were because it's almost like everything's gone full circle to where the business has kind of got formulaic again, not in the same way it was in the nineties, but you use those same, those same spots, storylines, things like that. You bring some, you bring something special. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And something how do you like think ECW of, ahead of his time. Well, how do you think a one hour time limit draw? When have you ever seen that in an indie show? Yeah, I'm kind of kicking right, so. myself because I wasn't able to go to that one. But yeah, it but, shook up. It shook up. It shook up. The, it shook up the indie world. Yeah, no, and and I I've watched it, and it's 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 one of those. I think it's hard for, I would say, an indie crowd to get into a match like that because you're keeping them there for an hour. In, in one match, do you know what I mean? And and oh yeah, some of these guys might be unknowns to these people because all they know is the WWE, and so right. you you got to work for that engagement. And they did an awesome job on that. It was the hardest match I think I've ever worked in my life, just because my job is when there's a lull, I have to be the storyteller. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you know you know you know, and I and I have to really hold my water and not get too excited or get the crowd too up. And it's, it's tough. It was tough, but, but that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, you look at what ECW did. They, they, they broke the convention and the standard recipe and brought something new. And that's honestly what, what I'm trying to do. That's what Sam's trying to do. That's what DCW quite frankly is, 
is, is trying to do um, is break those conventions to bring you something new that you can't see anywhere else but here. Right. So apart from DCW, what other uh, promotions or what other things do you got upcoming or are you working with? Um, I, work, uh, I work every month with, uh, with Joe DeFalco and FSW, um, which is amazing. And the Snake Pit, Snake Pit Academy, I mean, look at how many people they've got gotten the Fed or an Impact Now. Um, right. I work every month there. Every, every three months, Joey and I put on a show called Mecca. And I do that in Las Vegas. And that's kind of a hot shot show where we just bring in a bunch of ring of honor, national guys. You know, it's a one shot. It's a one off show where the storylines are contained within that show. Um, I work uh, for Sam, uh, for Sam in Pittsburgh with Wrestle Rex, which is if you've ever wanted to see how to change the convention of a pro wrestling show is watch a Wrestle Rex show. It's not like anything you've ever seen. He took the way they do things in Mexico and Japan, squished them together, threw in a little of Western style wrestling, and that's WrestleRex. Um, I also um, uh, I also work, of course, you know, we're in hiatus now, but Destiny Wrestling, um, me and Dom Vitale um, own uh, Phoenix Championship Wrestling, and we've got a huge thing that's coming up on April 11th. Um, yeah. We've got, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Code Red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're bringing in, I mean, think about this. We're bringing in Estrelita to fight Katarina. I mean, that's not something anybody this side of the border's ever seen. <laughs> right. You know, uh-huh. and it's like, and Lord Draco and, you know, we bring, you know, it's just, it, we're trying to try to do something different than only people can see at our shows. Cause anybody can have an indie show with this guy, this flippy guy, this big guy, working big guy, bringing something that they haven't seen, bringing something, that makes me want to come back. Yeah. Man, you got your plate full. Yeah, yeah and then I'm doing the Lucha X, I'm doing the Lucha X tournament um, in Mexico City. Uh, me and Sam are going down there at the end of March, uh, Hoovy Mania. We're doing Hoovy Mania, Lucha X, and CMLL down there. Um, and we're doing it in the Arena Neza. And if you know anything, Arena Neza is the ECW arena of Mexico. Yeah. You've got like, like Arena Mexico is like, like Madison Square Garden. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Arena Neza is like the ECW arena. Yeah. And, that, and it's it's going to be kind of cool to do a show there. Um, so we've got I've got that coming up, and and all the other in, you know Squared Circle Pro in Lubbock, um, all the other uh, indie shows that I do. That's awesome. So I, how do you keep all that balance? Because it seems like you got a really important <laughs> and job still outside manage of this. to build buildings and keep people safe right. that way. You know, it's, it's the whole thing about it is, in all honesty, if you love to do something, you'll find time for it. Because think of this. I don't want to denigrate pro wrestling, but think about how many people out there find time to golf, find time to hunt, and they still have their regular job, right? Yeah. It's the same type of thing. I, I just put my efforts into something that pays me back um, the way a golfer gets paid back or the way a hunter gets paid back. Do you know what I mean? So you just make sacrifices. So I get up, I, I'm up in the morning at 6 a.m. I'm into work by 6.30 or 7. And I, I work until the work gets done. And then I go to the gym and then I keep doing that. And then Friday or Saturday, I'm flying to someplace and I work like hell and glad to be home on Sunday night. Nice. So you're you're directly involved. Um, I wrote some stuff down while you were mm-hmm. um, sure. going through with the, with the Mecca shows. Yeah, uh-huh. 
So this this yeah. next mecha show is huge. Like oh, I'm it's, looking it's at huge. the lineup. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. we're Cody and I are going to be down for double or nothing. So we're thinking about going to seven. Dude, I'm telling yes. you right, right now. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. This is not just me being the promoter, but but Joe DeFalco is one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with, and he knows how to put together a show. And these every every worker there has been carefully handpicked, not just for their marketability, but but for their ability to work a spot show to where everything kind of comes together and, and each match steals the show. And so, then I don't know if you saw, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Speaking on FSW. Um, I, I went to one of their shows. I was in Vegas for uh, yeah. beginning of the year. And uh-huh. one of the things that my kids, I took my kids, they, they got yeah. hyped for was their, their junior division where you got kids in the ring yeah and i'm like that's that's so out of the box but it's like imagine the story you know i've been wrestling since i was 10 years old or you know for the future and yeah like, and, and you know what that's something i've oh, never yeah. seen before other than in maybe mexico or something like that yeah and, and well the thing about it is it's like and, and the thing about it is that's 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 the way it is in Mexico. I mean, look at look at look at Rey Mysterio Jr. started wrestling when he was like 13, had his first match as El Calibri when he was like 15. You know, that's that's how it starts. Look at Bibiana. Look at look at Estrada. She she started when she was like 16. You know, these that's kind of how it happens in other areas of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So sorry, I cut you off. You were gonna say oh. something on on FSW, I believe. Oh, I was just going to say the, the the thing that's going to be amazing is um, where you, May twenty second, Friday, May twenty second, um, you're going to have FSW Mecca versus the uh, Sammy Callahan's the Wrestling Revolver at Samstown, mm-hmm. and so that's one you want to mark too because that's going to be an amazing. That's going to be another one of these shows that that you're just you're just going to be like I'm kicking myself if I miss that because it's stuff like I said. You're not going to see it anywhere else but there. You're not going to see it anywhere else. And it's and it's a Friday night. So who who doesn't want to come Friday night and spend a weekend wrestling in in Las Vegas? Yeah, so we're we're really That's talking about going to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Last year we went to Double or Nothing. Yeah. And we caught this indie show like at midnight down in uh uh by the Nerd Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had uh like, you know, you had Teddy Teddy Hart and Davey Boy yeah, Smith uh-huh. Jr. and Chris Bay and Willie Mack yeah. and mm-hmm. Marty, Marty the Moth, Jacob yep. Fetu, uh, Rob Van Dam was there. He wasn't wrestling, but he was there. Rikishi was there. It was just so awesome, you know. And it's oh yeah, just an indie show, but you yeah. you get that's probably one of the highlights we've been to. So we're looking to see what other indie shows are going to be available during that time. Yeah. Well, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed this? And I don't know if you noticed. I've noticed in my travels, there's almost like two types of wrestling fans. There's wrestling fans that are WWE fans, and that's mm-hmm. all they know, and that's all they watch, and that's all they care to see. And then there's wrestling fans like us that want to see all wrestling. We're staying up till two a.m. to watch Wrestle Kingdom. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're getting, you know, we're getting the we're getting the CMLL. He's describing us. Yeah. You know, and I've kind of noticed that it's kind of weird because, you know, WWE comes to town and they sell 20,000 seats, but DCW 
struggles to get 500 in a, in a, in a venue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I think, it blows me away. Yeah, no. And, and, and I agree, you know, like you said, I was, I was at raw when it came to Salt Lake, we went down for it and it was packed and because of the blizzard and stuff, you didn't think it would be, but there's so much wrestling. And I think people, when I was sitting there at the raw and I mentioned this to Cody, it, it was, mm-hmm. it was uh, annoying to me, but I had to catch myself because you had so many casual fans, so many that, mm-hmm. Oh, WWE's coming to town. And then they'd be there and be like, Oh, who's that guy? You could tell they mm. didn't keep up with the product. Yep. Um, but I and guess that's John Cena. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's with the, you know, I guess the market and they just recognize the name where, you yep. know, shows like DCW and stuff, which we've gone to as well. You know, you go out of your way because you care about the product and you care about the people participating in it and you want to see them successful. Right. right. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is the thing about it is, if you think about where the next, one of the things that we were able to do at, at Destiny Wrestling in Albuquerque is we were able to catch those WWE fans, bring them to our show, and make them indie fans. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's what that's what that's what is going to define, in my opinion, the success or failure of an indie product is you have to get those casual fans to make indie wrestling a thing because we all started off as huh, pro wrestling. What's this? Oh my God. I love it. You know, you don't just start off, you know, Oh, pro wrestling is the greatest thing of all time. It's this slow build. That's what we have to do as people. That's what we have to do to preserve the business as indie fans is to get those casual fans and as promoters, get those casual fans to appreciate the product of pro wrestling and then get them to come to your show. Yeah, and you know, speaking like on DCW, like you, you, um, it makes me happy, and it's something that I think is is really cool. Is they have those dedicated fans. They have those fans that buy the merch, that mm-hmm. get into it, that become part of the show. Yeah, the devoted ones. You know, yeah. when else? When you really think about it, when you when you go to, it doesn't matter what it is. The reason why you watch football in Green Bay and there's some some guy painted green with his shirt off in 20 below weather is that guy wants to be part of the event. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 where else but professional wrestling can you still without going to those extremes be part of the event? Right. Yeah. This shit yeah, you have for your, the masses. Yeah, you yeah. have your sports entertainment fans and then you have your pro wrestling fans there's a there's exactly a straight up difference to coin a to coin the phrase from vince you know he mm-hmm. he puts on sports entertainment the rest of the world puts on pro wrestling that's true no that's true and and i think to be honest with you most of the reason why um you have this gap in indie is is just due to lack of education is that people well why would i go watch you know, why would I go watch this guy when I could go to this? And I liken it to college football. Well, yeah, you can just totally ignore college football and say, I'm only going to watch NFL because those are the guys, you know, on major networks every week. Or you can educate yourself to the future of the NFL and to see some excellent football while you're at it, you know. And, and, and oh, you like the NFL? Well, why are you not watching football on Saturday, too? You need to get enough of that. It's kind of the same thing with wrestling. 
yeah, you like you like the WWE. It's a great product. I mean, I enjoy it. Um, but you can get more. Why stop at just the WWE? Why not say I saw Sarah Logan fight Mia Yim at at, at in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Why not be that guy that said you were there for that match? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, you know, and, and to see them on their come up, you know, yeah, before they hit the big time. That's and I think like myself and Cody, we we pop for stuff like that, you know, like guys like like AJ Styles who mm-hmm. attracted me to TNA, right? That mm-hmm. was the reason mm-hmm. I watched TNA. Then we mm-hmm. followed him to New Japan. That's what got yep. me into New Japan. And there now he's go. finally making it to the WWE. And when he shows up, you know, I'm a grown ass man and you pop yep. like no other. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's <clears throat> see, and that's what I'm saying. But you probably yeah, that's what I'm trying to say is, is it's our job. You know, you know, they talk about the old school guys saying protecting the business by not giving away the secrets of the business. Blah, blah, blah. I believe in all of that. But I think also protecting the business is taking a proactive approach at it and doing what we did in Destiny at, in Albuquerque. We took we took we took a promotion that was fighting out of an MMA gym to 50 people to where we were getting two and three thousand people in a civic center. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, with that's local awesome. talent, and maybe and and that's what Manny's trying to do here. And and here's the crazy thing: like for the fans and the people to listen to this podcast, they can be part of that meteoric rise. I mean, you think about uh, Devotion; they started just a little over a year ago, and now they're on TV. And this whole <laughs> thing coming up, you've got Vince Russo writing for us. The man who invented the Attitude Era is literally writing for us for a salt lake city promotion yeah you know and we we just had manny on he's he's gonna be this week's guest and um yeah he we said the same thing it's like man like we talked to you back in october you know since then you've done this you've done this you've done this like you keep saying you know all gas no brakes and god damn it Mm -hmm. like somehow you're delivering in salt lake city utah (laughs) right yeah i mean yeah, if you can succeed, I mean, if you can succeed in pro wrestling, Salt Lake City, Utah, and when you really think about it, he's doing it the right way because he's 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 not he doesn't have he doesn't he give he has one when you think about the way he does his shows, it's smart. It's you have one from every animal in the zoo. You have a national guy. You have the local comedy guys. You have a hardcore guy. You have. I mean, so that no matter what type of wrestling you like, you come to a DCW show, you're going to get that and more. And like you talk about AJ Styles turns you on to in, impact and things like that. His style turns you on to other styles. And so when you come mm-hmm. to a DCW show, you may come and say, I love Sam Adonis. And then all of a sudden recognize Tom Chad, or you might, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so these people out there that, that, our listening is broadcast. Do yourself a favor. Come to the DCW show because you will be part of that meteoric rise. Because I can tell you something right now. I was at the ECW arena in the 90s. And it it is it is so wonderful to be able to say I was there. And you know how many people I knew who lived in Philadelphia who didn't go, who talked to me now and go, yeah, I should have gone. And they look like assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. Come to the DCW show. <laughs> that was a good plug. 
I like that. Yeah. No, and hey, that's, the a t- thing is, that's a t-shirt right there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get some made. We'll we'll send you one. There uh, you go. Uh, yeah, we we traveled from Idaho. You know, we got turned on to it. We looked it up. Um, and I've been to two shows. Cody's been to one. And every time I get a chance, when there's nothing going on and where we don't mm-hmm. work the weekend, we make a plan to go because Perfect. Um, it's entertaining, you know. And three hours isn't anything to me because it's it's a good show. It's it's awesome to be a part of that. It's it's an escape. And something that we've said here is wrestling brings people together. Like you, you yes, could be whatever, you know. On like you say during the week, you're an engineer. You know, I work in management, and it's just mm-hmm. when when you're there at a wrestling show, you guys are all the same. You're all fans. It's, you a, care it's, about a, the it's a brotherhood, a, a brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you want to call it. It's true. Yep. And everybody, and have you ever noticed how everybody has a pro wrestling story? Everybody you talk to, where like when, when I guarantee there's people when you say I'm going to Salt Lake to see pro wrestling, they go, oh, you know. And they'll they'll tell you a, an anecdote about pro wrestling. Everybody has something like that because it's so relatable. I, does Hulk Hogan still do that? Uh, no, yeah, he hasn't been doing <laughs> yeah. that for a while. But but yeah. they have a story about oh, I used to watch Saturday Night's main event, and that's right. where you hit him up with the flyer. That's where you hit him up. Come on down, because that was me. I was a guy who had stopped watching wrestling, and a guy in 1996 or 97 said, "Well, you want to go to a wrestling show with me at a, a bingo hall?" Okay, <laughs> think about that. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, so MK, you know, we appreciate your time. Can you let yeah. our listeners know how to how to get a hold of you, how to contact you? You betcha. Um, my name is Matthew Robles. So just look me up on Facebook. You'll see me right away. I'm at the MK Bandit on Twitter and Instagram. Um, hit me up. Buy my merch. Um, if there's one thing you can do to help a pro wrestler out and maintain the business is to buy someone's merch. Because a lot of times the promoters don't pay us as much as we probably should get paid. And that merch money really helps us, uh, helps our gas money and helps us stay fed. <laughs> yeah. And and one thing here, I'm going to plug you. Like uh, you, you guys need to go to uh, YouTube and watch this sweet little video. Um, it's called Civil Engineer at Day, MK Bandit at Night. And it kind of <laughs> kind of gives you for Utah. Yep, kind of gives you an insight of thank uh, you. You know, MK Bandit, and I, I thought it was a really good piece. You know, for local yeah. news or whatever, I, it yeah. was an awesome piece. So, um, you guys need to need to check that out. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a pinned it's a pinned <clears throat> it's my pinned tweet. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I mean, in that show that we did literally was put together in in, a, in less than two weeks because we got the call to to do that show by by a great uh sportscaster rick aaron and it's like well we got to do it <laughs> yeah so where can they see you next you're going to be uh so when this airs it'll be after match madness but are, are you going to be there i will not be there um i actually had the opportunity this uh opportunity months and months ago to become a season ticket holder for uh, the Dallas Renegades of the XFL. And the one, and the one game that I could go to was, was uh, the seventh, which unfortunately at the time, Manny hadn't set that date. So I committed to go. And uh, if you guys know who this guy is, you may or may not know. 
He's, he's a great radio, a ring announcer. He's a great wrestler. He's a great uh, rodeo announcer. Um, his name is Aaron Presley and he's an old, an old foe, an old friend, a guy that I ring announced with and, and commentated with and him and I are going to the game this Saturday. Um, the following week, um, we're going to be at Super Toy Con the 14th, March 14th, uh, in, 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 at, at, uh, oh, I can't remember. It's in Las Vegas. It's at the cannery, the East side cannery. And then we've got Mecca at Samstown on the 15th. And then following that, um, going to Mexico with Sam for Hoovy Mania, Lucha X and, and all that other goodies. And where can someone get some MK bandit merch? Do you have a website for that? Or? Just, D, just DM me. I mean, and, and my merch is something you can't, you don't usually wear to church. And it'll get you kicked off Delta flights. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that's truth, man. And so, uh, and so, but just DM me, I've got some left. Uh, I've got a ton of sunglasses. So um, those are always, those are always popular. So just, just DM me on any of the formats and we'll work something out. All right. Well, appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a thank blast. You guys. I hope yeah, uh, thank you. we can have you return sometime because this Anytime. has been real fun for us. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Let me tell my stories. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Good luck. Good luck at that game. All right. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Thank you a lot. Thanks. That was the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Did you like it? Tell a friend. Give them a like, give them a subscribe, and come back next time. We'll see you here for the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast.